Welcome to our September Flashback podcast. I'm Stephen Willis and I'm joined by my colleague Matt Rowe. In this podcast, we will be looking back over the month of September and picking out stories or events that have grabbed our attention and which may be of interest to you. The main theme for September is certainly around pensions. So I want to start by looking at the government announcement of the suspension of the state pensions triple lock for one year. Matt, it would be worth just summarising how the triple lock works and why it's been suspended for the forthcoming year. Yes, well, the triple lock was a pledge introduced by the government in 2010, actually to increase the state pension annually in line with the higher of either inflation and measured by the consumer price index, the average increase in wages, or two and a half percent. Now, if these rules were, or if these full rules, I should say, were applied, then the government would actually be facing a record-breaking increase of 8% this year. And that's because during the pandemic, many people were earning less than usual because they were on furlough. But with the return to full pay, back into work, this was effectively recorded as a large rise in average earnings. So instead, the state pension will be determined by the higher of the other two measures. Now, given that a full state pension equates to just over £9,000 per annum, this is significantly less than the average wage in the UK. So I think any increase will be greatly welcomed by the vast majority of pensioners, uh, particularly actually those that are women, for whom there is quite a significant pension gap, which for them is a real stark reality. On top of this, the National Audit Office issued a damning report in September in which they found human error within the Department for Work and Pensions has led to 134,000 pensioners being underpaid for many years, amounting to more than £1 billion. Matt, who has this affected most? Well, the error impacts pensioners who claimed the state pension prior to April 2016, and those who either had a deceased partner and therefore should have actually inherited an additional entitlement from their late spouse, or those who didn't have a full national insurance records. Now, although just coming on to your question about who is it affected, well, the actual demographics of those most impacted are yet to be disclosed, but the National Audit Office have actually said that around 90% of the people who claim those types of pensions affected are actually women. So there's yet more money that the government needs to find. And we know that state pension is one of the benefits which is currently funded from national insurance contributions. Now this month, the government also announced a hike in NI from April 2022, with both employers, employees, and the self-employed, I should say, having to contribute an additional 1.25%. For those individuals who have significant pension savings, 
a recent Freedom of Information from HMRC shows more than 325,000 people have registered for protection from the lifetime allowance since its inception in 2006. But interestingly, only 4,000 have done so in the most recent year. Matt, just give us a potted history of this lifetime allowance and why this is one of those stealth taxes that can catch people out in the future. Yeah, we certainly get a lot of questions around the lifetime allowance. I mean, the lifetime allowance is effectively a measure to prevent pension schemes being used as a means to really excessively mitigate tax. And how it works is if a pension scheme provides benefits to a cumulative value of more than the lifetime allowance amount, then the excess will actually be subject to quite a significant tax charge of either 55% or 25%. And when the lifetime allowance was first introduced, as you say, in April 2006, it was originally 1.5 million. Since then, it's, it's gone up, down, sideways, fluctuated really from 1.8 million uh, at the high and a low of 1 million. And until last year, actually, the lifetime allowance was increasing in line with inflation. But it's now been frozen at 1.07 million uh, just over uh, until at least 2026. So for those individuals that have significant private and occupational pensions and who maybe aren't aware of the rules, they could be caught out with quite a hefty charge. So we'd certainly recommend doing some planning early on just to determine if the charge can be mitigated in any way. Turning away from pensions now, Key Research, a market research consultancy, reported inheritance tax receipts hit £5.4 billion in the 2020-21 tax year, a figure slightly up on the previous year. However, these figures also show that receipts from IHT have stayed broadly flat for the past four years, I think thanks in part to the introduction of the residential nil rate ban, which allows spouses or civil partners to transfer allowances rising to £175,000 in the 2020-21 tax year. This report goes on to say, with average age of those receiving an inheritance currently at 47 years, and the average first-time buyer age sitting at 33 years, Key suggested that discussions around pre-inheritance have gained prominence over the last decade. I couldn't agree more. We at Piersfield Oliver are certainly having more pre-inheritance tax discussions with the families we advise. Looking now at some news surrounding sustainability, I was interested to read that an heir to the JCB fortune is looking to raise one billion pounds to focus on hydrogen energy projects and to invest primarily in UK firms which is excellent news. This coincides with the UK government's intended plan to kickstart the local hydrogen economy. Hydrogen is increasingly touted as an alternative fuel for long haul applications such as freight and air travel. 
then let's hope this leads to a viable alternative to just battery power. Having said that, it's also been announced this week the opening of the first electric-only forecourt this month near Braintree, Essex, representing a breakthrough for the mass expansion of the UK's electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The forecourt itself can accommodate 36 vehicles. To finish up, Tom Duffy's travelling circus is advertising for clowns to join them. I have to say, Matt, having watched some of the people's reactions to last week's fuel supply shortage, there are certainly a few candidates that should apply. <laughs> With that, I'll wrap up. We hope you've enjoyed listening and look forward to bringing you future flashback podcasts. Until then, take care. <laughs>